Welcome to The Floor, Fantasy and Sci-Fi Lore. We are returning to Dune again. This is a remastered episode of the original, released when the movie came out a few years ago. We have cleaned up the audio, I have pulled out the old intro, and are releasing this here. This episode is about harmonics and structural resonance. A lot of Frank Herbert's sci-fi was very soft, but there are certain pieces that are built on uh, real physics, and we're going to be diving into that in this episode. So if you want to learn more about Dune, the Bene Gesserit, and harmonics and their bigger role in the Dune story, this is the episode for you. Roll the intro. Do you remember the first story that was so spellbinding it drove you to break the rules and stay up all night to keep reading, keep watching, keep playing? So good, you forgot your life and lived there. So good, the moment it ended, you asked yourself, what next? Welcome to the floor. Our goal is to take you back, take you deeper, to explore and understand more and relive that childlike wonder. Join us as we dive deep into humanity's greatest stories, no matter how they are told, through books, movies, television, even games. One of us does an in-depth research on the topic. One of us is familiar with the topic. And one of us knows nothing. So the right questions will always be asked and addressed for anyone coming into the topic, regardless of how much you know. Enjoy another world, another adventure, Another spellbinding story. Join us on the floor. Welcome back to another episode of The Floor, where we talk about Dune and the one true religion, the Bene Jesuit, and why you should be a part of it. Okay, so this is actually going to be a two-part episode. Um, if you didn't understand what that was, go check out our first episode. Um, and we're just going to review real quick what we talked about there if you don't want to. Dune was originally released in 1965 by a man named Frank Herbert, who actually started writing about Dune uh, when he was researching Dunes in Oregon. Sand Dunes, yeah. Which is just this very interesting. He's like, oh, look, Sand Dunes. Let's write a huge book about it. Um, and he didn't actually become famous until his third book came out, correct? Uh, well, it was slowly building, but when the third book came out, that's when he was a huge success. But the and first book is the is biggest that. one. So the third book was Children of Dune, and it was released in 1976, which was almost 11 years after the first book. But what's interesting is the first book is where like the cult classic comes from, where everyone loves it, um, from what I understood from our last episode. Um, and there's a lot of mixed emotions for the other two books. And then in it, we talked about... Um, he he talks a lot about exploring religion and society and the Bene Gesuit was a huge role in that. And they're a constructed religion network um, to stay in power. So basically they craft their own mythologies. And if someone doesn't agree with them, they'll just, you know, create a Messiah or, you know, a religion that completely contradicts them. So the people that are like, oh, we don't like the Bene Gesuit, then... That way they can still be in control because they just have someone go down there and be like, oh, me neither. Read this book. <laughs> um, and then we also talked about super babies, correct? Yes. Which I don't remember. Um, basically something about, I don't remember. Give me a... <laughs> okay. I just, so, I just wrote down super babies. So in Dune, there is a specific drug called melange, which they usually just refer to as the spice. 
and it allows you to see a little bit into the future. And so the Bene Gesserit for thousands of years have been genetically engineering uh, children through just marriages and everything for to create someone who can not just see a little bit into the future with the spice, but can see far into the future with the spice. And then with that, they they had you had mentioned that men and women react differently to spice, right? Like they had. Uh, well, for some reason. Uh, they do mention specifically that this person who's going to be able to do this will have to be a boy. And so we don't ever get the, the breakdown of the specifics on why that is, but we just know that for some reason that has to be a male. And they think they've kind of identified exactly you know, the traits they need. And then now they're just delaying for whatever plans they're putting into place. Now, I might be a little intermediate again, but... Uh, uh... Uh, most females can take a concentrated dose of the spice and not go mad. However, the males fail at this certain particular test that the Bene Jesuit has created. Is this and... every time? Or the males more often fail? No, no. So there's uh, a specific test which you, you encounter at the very beginning of Dune that they give to Paul, who, who will be the, the main character uh, of the movie and, and is the main character of the of the first book. And uh, it is it's really just a test of self-control and, and doesn't really pertain to the spice. Now, later on, we will see that uh, it's not spice. It's it's uh, I think it's like gastric liquid from the worms or something like that. And only women can survive exposure to it. But even then, most of them go mad. And it, okay. it has a, a very concentrated effect of the spice, giving them ability to see even farther into the future than the spice. And it is so strange the way that they uh, throw it at Paul in the beginning of this book. It's that he's he isn't warned. He isn't like it, like like you know when you're going through school, it's like hey, you're gonna take this test. Get ready for it. It's. I'm going to teach you to get ready for this test, and then one day it's going to happen, and no one has a warning to it. So it's like the worst pop quiz in Dune history. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and if they, if, you, if they fail, if you fail, they kill you. So, Right, right. death is failure. Like, yeah. like, that's what these tests are. Yes, it is the worst pop quiz. Because you don't even know that part till the end. Oh, no, it's fine. Just put your head on this block. So, okay, so, yeah, so they're trying to create this super being who can see far into the future and, and, and I guess, in a way, just give them more control that way. If they know all of these events coming, they can plan even better to maintain their control. And then we did briefly talk about technology advancing to the point of Terminator-esque takeover kind of situation. Yeah, so we did the talk about... Very... Jihad. Yes, the butler, that's literally how I spelt it. But Larry and Jihad, because I. Larians? Well, no, the butt, like B U T oh. space. Oh, okay. It's easier that way. Since <laughs> you remember this, but, but yeah, so e eventually technology advances to the point that the machines are. I don't know if they're self aware, but they're aware enough that they enslave mankind. And then it starts a war. Yeah. So. I, I was I was diving deep into the Butlerian Jihad, and in, in the original text, uh, uh, Paul uh, has a like a correction in his brain to what somebody directly said, and 
the Butlerian Jihad is more against, uh, he says something akin to uh, the machines were not actually taking over people. It was that the people who controlled the thinking machines could manipulate the population. Uh-huh. So this is almost like a church movement being like, no, we control the population. Why are you moving in and controlling the population's minds, motives, and directives? And so this war is actually between the church and basically software engineers who have taken control of a planet. Uh, Similar to the way uh, uh, people are uh, angry about social media, that the social media is controlling and deciding people's uh, decisions. Does that make sense in the slightest? Yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. It's very scary because I'm actually rewatching Castlevania, and they have a church that like manipulates the mobs. Just like, ah, this is all because of God. Kill these people the church doesn't like, and everyone will be happy. And so, so just picturing that on what is this hundreds of worlds scale. But instead of just one Catholic church, it's, oh, well, you like Greek mythology or you like Judaism? Well, we own that rights to that now. Um, so <laughs> from the rights to actually pray to us. So, but yeah, so, so this war between machines and mankind, as is, it's is often praised in their history, uh, ends up drastically changing their technology. And uh, so like we talked about on first episode that in Dune, you know, you're not going to see a lot of advanced computation machines and different things like this, but rather people are filling these roles and they're using genetic engineering and they're using drugs and they're using specialized training to really alter at least the way that people's minds functions in a way that they can replace these machines. Right. There's there's genetic uh, manipulation of people to become computers yeah. rather than the building of computers. computers. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, is that that catch us up to where we are now? Uh, I think the only other notes I had was the Holtzman effect. If we want to, yeah, briefly talk about that. We talked about well. I'm actually going to talk about it a lot, so we'll perfect. I'm going to hold off on it. Yeah. Okay. The next thing we're going to encounter in Dune is the, like sound is a really big deal, both with the Bene Gesserit and later on technologies that are going to they're going to develop around that. And so I wanted to go kind of into our own history and science of what's called structural resonance and, and music and some other things that were happening during Herbert's life that kind of influence uh, what he talks about here. So first we'll talk about structural resonance. So if you've ever heard of or seen this in a cartoon or even the TV show, somebody hits a really high note and then glass or crystal will shatter in response to that. Now, sh- now, Crystal will actually do that, but gr- Glass rarely does. Right, right, because Crystal's uh, much more like solid structure. And no, it's uniform is what it is. And so, so what happens is this, is this is caused by structural resonance. When a certain sound hits a, the right frequency, it will then produce those kind of vibrations in physical material, like when you hit a tuning fork, right? Well, crystal is so uniform in its construction that, uh, so like if, if, if you hit the right frequency for a piece of glass, it's usually not going to be the same for that entire piece of glass, just a few very small points in it. Whereas because of the uniform nature of crystal, 
the entire crystal can all have the exact same structure. So the exact same frequency will impact the entire crystal. And crystal is uh, more fragile, right? Not necessarily. It just, because it has that uniform design, it will all resound to that same frequency. Okay. Right. So, so there's an Ohm's scale and crystal is much harder than glass. And Ohm's is, is, uh, Oh, the, uh, the rock scale, the dent. Or yeah. Ex- so you got, what is it? Tack or t- talc, uh, at like number one and then diamond at number nine. No diamonds 10. And there is, oh, I thought it went up to nine. My bad. No, no, you're, you're fine. But yeah. And uh. so structural resonance is this idea that physical structures, if hit with the right frequency can, uh, you essentially crumble, fall apart, right? And so there's a very famous case of structural resonance. Eli, you had something? Oh, I was just going to be like, right, like, like, yeah. the, the physics of this is, uh, uh, sound is not a, uh, quite an ethereal thing, but something that affects physics and, uh, uh, it, the reason you hear it is because it's a physical thing. That it is a usually considered a wave that tickles little tiny hairs in your ear, and that is why you hear it. And it has the ability to do amazing things. Yeah, which, uh, harmonics is not a word we've said yet. That's <laughs> usually what it's referred to in Dune, right? Yeah, yeah, and we'll get there. So first thing, I'm going to show you guys a little bit of a video of structural resonance tearing a bridge to pieces. So, so I'm gonna share. Uh, so take take a look at this if you're not familiar. All right. Uh, yeah. We should probably tell people where how they could find this. Okay. So well, this we're gonna t- post it on the Facebook. The t- the uh. Okay, we can post it on the Facebook. Yeah. And uh, so yeah. So you can check this out, Aaron, if you've never seen this. But this is kind of slow mo. But I want you to watch watch the bridge as it's moving back and forth here. That so- is solid concrete cement asphalt all of it and this is because no no that's rebar concrete that's why it flexes yeah that's why it flexes yeah but you can see it just it's 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 going up and down almost like somebody's wiggling like a water slide what is what is causing this so it it started by wind wind is what starts it but eventually what happens is uh it it triggers structural resonance throughout the bridge and then it just begins to vibrate more and more violently, almost like a piece of crystal, until it tears uh, itself to pieces. And this so, is the uh, Tacoma Narrows Bridge Collapse. If you don't want to go check it out on our Facebook, but we'll leave it up there as well. So, jeez. So, maybe my imagination's running away with me, but it must have found a frequency that was halfway between the two tuning forks that are the uh, major structures of holding the bridge up. Yeah. Much like the Golden Gate Bridge and somewhere between that concrete and rebar. And it is holding this frequency that makes them all perfectly jiggle together yeah. rather than randomly jiggling together. And canceling each other out. It's a structure. Yeah. Exactly. I, I'm going to go on a ceiling here. Magnet. Okay. My theory is that it's, Tuning with the concrete, not the rebar. 
and the rebar is just going with it because most of that is concrete. The rebar just reinforces it. So the rebar is simply just holding it as best as it can. And that's why it wiggles again. But yeah. So, so I wanted to talk about just the nature of sound, at, at, particularly when it comes to structural resonance and how we, you know, you see, you can see it break in shattered crystal and we can see it tear a bridge to pieces, like a full on concrete bridge. And to understand that, because when you encounter harmonics in Dune, like the first time I saw this, I was like, what? No. You're like, but no. if you're familiar with structural resonance and you understand that, then harmonics it starts get, with like a robot fight. You know, harmonics starts to make more sense. So, Eli, do you want to talk a little bit about harmonics in Dune? So, uh, it starts out as this like little robot fight. Now, it's not really a robot. There's a guy like pulling levers, like kind of remote control. So, you know, it's it, it, it doesn't break the rules of thinking machines, but it's a, a trial that uh, Paul Atreides, uh, main character in the movie coming up, uh, it, is another one of these do-or-die tests that they throw at him, but he's familiar with this one. And they give him a technological device, and it's it's not only just like a gun with a trigger, it's also connected to his voice and, and he can go Oi! and there's a certain harmonic it creates and he shoots it out of his gun and it'll destroy the different structures because they've purposely mounted different materials on this robot that's being manipulated by another person to destroy each and every one of its arms and okay, so Back up. So there's two robots fighting each other. No, there is Paul Atreides, the Duke's son. Yeah. Who, if he fails this test, he dies. So he's controlling a robot. No, he's fighting a robot. He's okay. fighting a robot. Human versus robot. That's what you uh, got. Oh, uh, okay. I understand. The robot's controlled remotely controlled. Okay. By the robot guy. is remotely controlled. And so the the guy has to use his voice to break the, uh, the robots. So what it is is House Atreides, which so in 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 we talked about they have a feudal system, right? So this is the noble house of Atreides, and we've talked about Paul, who is the main character of the first book and for the movie that will be coming out. Um, a Duke's son. Yeah. So okay. he's Paul Atreides. So House Atreides has been developing a new weapon based on harmonics, or essentially they're they're creating something that can take the the power of structural resonance and and alter it into a powerful weapon like and a, the ammo is basically his voice, voice. Yes. okay okay i understand okay. let's take a break here because we went a little bit over time i got excited and got distracted <laughs> this is on you guys for being interesting <laughs> So we're talking about harmonics in Dune and how it's kind of built off of this idea of structural resonance, how sound can cause crystal to vibrate and eventually shatter. And so within Dune, take, Herbert has taken this and said, what if we could take that power and weaponize it? And so within the books, House Atreides is developing a secret weapon called harmonics, which is the weaponization of structural resonance. And so... Uh, I'm sure I'm doing another in intermediate question, but this is a, a new weapon they have created. This is not popular amongst 
the galaxy. They are the ones who have this technology and have developed it. And the other houses or people that would be fighting against do not have this technology at this time. Right. And this is exactly what I was going to go into. No one else has this. This is very secret. They've been developing it. But but pieces of it have leaked out to uh, the Emperor and to House Harkonnen. And this this is the very reason... House Atreides will be given control of the planet of Dune is because they are developing this secret weapon. Which would be akin to developing nuclear weapons during World War II. Yes. Yeah, this is akin to developing nuclear weapons in World War II. And I'm going to explain why, because uh, Aaron mentioned the Holtzman effect. So we'll talk about... We, we already talked about the first the first and third of the Holtzman effect, uh, right? So Holtzman developed three key pieces of science and technology that completely alter the world of Dune. Pop quiz. Aaron, answer slowly. What, what, are, the, what, what, what are the three Holtzman effects? All right. So. So, so we'll give a quick pause. Go ahead and read your notes. Listeners, what are the three Holtzman effects? All I got is a human brain transferred into a machine. Okay. Okay. Fail. Fail. <laughs> you you can ah. die. <laughs> okay. So there are three Holtzman effects. The first one is what allows for instant communication across any dense distance. So this is what connects communication information of all of humanity across the universe, right? This first Holtzman effect. Information that does not experience relativity because trying to communicate to somebody who is light years away, if not billions of light years away, there is a relativity effect for how long the fastest thing we know of is light speed, right? right. And so, so instant communication is what would unify an intergalactic civilization. Whereas yeah. you you wouldn't be able to manage that because of the distance. Yeah, yeah. The third Holtzman effect is the ability to fold space. So now all the distance of space can be traveled instantly, right? Instead of two out, you know, two years to Mars, we could be there in five minutes. And instead of you know forty billion light years to you know whatever planet, again ten minutes, right? Folding space. So this is the third Holtzman effect. So this, these two effects are what unify uh, the, the empire of the humans into one and why you have only one emperor and can because everything is connected. Right, right, right. And, and there is a period where they had a dark age where they failed to do this and they had thousands of emperors because... Yeah, we talked about that briefly. Yeah, we talked about that in the first one. So the second Holtzman effect is what relates to harmonics. So the second Holtzman effect is essentially a kind of force field, but it has it doesn't block everything. It is only anything moving over a certain speed will be blocked by this energy field. So if somebody fires a gun at you, then it will stop that bullet. But if you go to shake somebody's hand, you can shake hands because you're not moving past that, that speed limit. And this completely changes warfare and combat because 
you know, standard projectiles. High like the, velocity projectiles are no longer the, so effective. Yeah. Like even if you swung a sword at somebody really fast, it would still be blocked by the shield. And so what you see is people trying to get close enough to each other and then moving very slowly with usually of some kind of piercing weapon that's often poisoned to get inside that shield because they can't ex- exceed that velocity barrier, right? Otherwise, the shield will block it. How fast is, do you guys know, kind of? Well, like it's that? never, the, the specifics are never given to us, but, you know, like I said, even a fast-swung weapon, melee weapon, would not break the shield. So you've got to go in very slowly. And then so, another nerd question for you, just to, just to hurt your brains. If the person is moving quickly towards a sword, would the shield still slow it yes. down? So, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so they they have this uh, big philosophy philosophy behind the knife, right? And I wondered why a knife, not a sword, and the knife is such a small object it can be turned quick to slow very easily and still achieve its locational goal if you will also isn't it really easy to hide yeah <laughs> yeah you're easier to, not... easier to conceal but but also easier to control the velocity because again you you can't have it and if you're moving something that slowly a big heavy sword would be hard to maintain that slow gradual press in whereas a knife is not going to exhaust your muscles was that x-men origins where they had magneto fight the uh guy that could control kinetic energy so if you threw something quickly at him he just absorb it so magneto just uh xavier stops his mind so he can't move and magneto just slowly pushes a coin through his brain oh yeah you guys remember that is that is that kind of what we're looking for (laughs) i guess so I can't remember who it was. Uh, the actor looked kind of like Kevin Bacon, honestly. <laughs> yeah, so so this shield completely changes combat and warfare across Dune. Because now, all essentially any kind of infantry or hand-to-hand, any, any kind of combat, uh, no longer works because these shields basically stop any kind of projectile that way. And uh, as far as energy weapons, a laser hitting one of these Holtzman shields will cause an atomic explosion. So those don't work either because you'll wipe each other out. So, really? Yeah, so the energy weapons are out. Projectile weapons are out. And so essentially, most warfare is now hand-to-hand combat where you've got to get in close and then really slow with those, with those knives, right? That's what warfare has now come down to. But it, oh, okay. Another intermediate question: uh, uh, Is this shield uh, for House Atreides being developed during this time? Or Everyone's it... got this shield by now. Everybody. Okay. Okay. This is. Yeah. But I'm guessing the weapon from House Atreides is going to do something weird. But as but from from the leaked reports, the harmonics of House Atreides will destroy the Holtzman shield without triggering these atomic explosions. It is the new weapon that will completely transform warfare. Eh, It's just propaganda. It's just propaganda. So that is where, you know, we we build off of Herbert's interest in structural resonance all the way into, you know, how how this Dune world looks so strange. It's like they're far in the future, 
but nobody's using guns or lasers and they're all fighting hand to hand, you know? And so you, you, you have this very strange future to us because of how he has built on these technologies and, and uh, I guess eliminated the function of others. So question. So this shield, does everyone just have one around their body? So it's just usually like something on their belt and they just activate it. Uh, okay. So it's just like a mandatory accessory, much like a phone or something. So, well, you'll see the armies will be all be, you know, all the soldiers will be carrying, uh, you know, the, these shields, but I, I don't think you'd see everyday civilians in everyday life wearing this kind of shield, but the okay. characters we follow are nobility and, you know, high, high leadership. And so they tend to always have one to protect against assassinations. Okay. Right. Uh, if, if somebody had a weapon on, like, like someone's got a pistol on their belt, I, I think it'd be akin to that, you know, kind of showing like, I am ready for combat right now. Or, you know, I, I don't feel safe enough. I'm not, I'm not in my, uh, you know, bathrobe relaxing. I'm, yeah. I'm so here. I'm present. It's uncommon, not rare. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, before we end this, like, uh, harmonics is a wonderful word to Google. Um, there are people who have created, uh, harmonic machines where they make, uh, salt and water dance. Um, and when I say dance, you'll know once you go and check out those videos, but, uh, uh, this, this is not too sci-fi of an idea. Uh, all of this is fully, uh, realized and there are many examples. You're just saying this is, this is more of a sci idea, not a sci-fi idea. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Do we have any more time for the next piece? We have quite a bit of time. We got oh, okay. Yeah, bit. Okay. So I do want to dip into the feudal system, mostly because for a lot of us, it is so far in the past, it's not a, a governmental system we're familiar with. Um, so we talked about how there's an emperor and, you know, this is the Duke's son and future Duke of House Atreides, which is Paul. And so well, what's a Duke to a baron to an emperor? We, right. Yeah. So essentially it, these used to be terms that kind of, determined what you would be governing like a barony would be governed by a baron whereas uh you know a, a, a duchy would be ruled by a duke you know and so to kind of equate that to to where we live now a barony would be close to like a city and maybe some outlining territory a little bit you know so like a, a mayor uh whereas a, a duchy would be more like, like a, a farmland like a city that has farmland is city that farmland yeah whereas a duchy would have a couple cities in it so more like a state would be like a duchy, but uh, or a county. Yeah, so we get um, duchy the, county. We have the uh, the Baron Harkonnen who is in charge of Dune, and then he is removed from that position, and the Duke uh, Leto Atreides is in put in charge. So by the time we get to Dune, these titles are no longer connected to what they're governing, right? Now, the reason behind a feudal governing system is that, uh, like in, in a, in a uh, bureaucracy, right, you have people tested and they pass exams or they get certifications right there. They're appointed based on their abilities in a bureaucracy, whereas in a feudal system, you are appointed based on your loyalty, right? How loyal does the person at the top feel you are? And then you are appointed based on what they believe your degree of loyalty to be, and then you pass on that position of power 
through your bloodline, right? A legacy passing of that power and position. So once you can produce a loyalty to somebody in power, they give you more power. Right. And then we just trust that your your children will follow you and we will teach them this so, wait, loyalty. Wait, I know that when we were talking about Ball and Giuseppe and whatever those three gods were, <laughs> Baldur's Gate. Um, it wasn't Giuseppe, but yeah. That's a weird name. Uh, we talked about there was like a godly MLM where they had to go get people. This is literally a political MLM. Like literally, <laughs> if you love me enough and give me like a lot of people to follow me around, then I will say good things about you and then you can have people follow you around and you don't have to work anymore. MLM multi-level marketing. Yeah, exactly. It's literally a well. Okay. So, so what it builds off of essentially is like with old monarchies, what it was this, is the, the statement was the king owns everything, and then he lets you control little bits and pieces depending on how loyal he thinks you are, right? And so, right, right, right. If if, if you seem like you you don't really trust him. He's like, I'm I'm giving you a very low position and I'm just gonna let you have your head until I take it. You yeah. can be a janitor of all of sewage. So, yeah, well, and, and what it was is that, you know, uh, a lot of time, right, when you were given charge of an area, the the military in that area was loyal to whatever baron or duke was in charge. And because the king needed that military and feared rebellion, he had to make sure he trusted you, right? He was far more important to the king that you would not turn on him than you were good at your job in ruling that territory, right? His key priority okay. was you're loyal because you have a piece of military under your control. That sounds super healthy. I bet the civilians love living in that environment. But yeah, and so that's that's the feudal system that then is at place in Dune, right? Okay. So just to recap, we talked about kind of just Dune. It is hundreds of planets. It is very futuristic, but they don't use projectile weapons due to these shields that most of the military... Hold up. I've seen the 80s version of this. There's a guy who shoots a screw at somebody and takes them out. Yeah, so I mean, there are specialized like weapons that will like detect the Holtzman shield and then slow to go in slowly. Okay, okay, okay. So that's what that was. That's how we're going to define it, yeah. Um, and then there's also, we did talk a lot about Benny Jesuits, the one true religion, and then Spice was the drug of choice, much like Skuma in uh, Skyrim, except this one gives magical powers. Should really say Soma. It's such a more popular phrase, man. <laughs> Skuma. Now I'm gonna say Skuma just to bother you. <laughs> all right, all right. So tell me things. Um, so is that basically everything? Is that gonna give us a good introduction into the world of Dune? Is there anything else that so, we need to understand? Uh, I mean, so yes. there, there's there's more we have to understand. So another thing is, um, so so. Talking Darwinism and moving up into, into the point of, of evolution where where Herbert is, you know, where he would have taken his science class. What they would talk about was a lot of the survival of the fittest theory and this idea that, you know, only the the, the strongest survive. And then in turn, they produce a, a more 
I, I guess, a stronger generation in the next generation and on and on. And so Herbert uh, brings this idea into Dune in this idea that certain planets are incredibly hard on the populations that live there. And so most of the Imperial Army then comes from a planet called Sarkov. And so these are the Sarkov soldiers, and they are known as the toughest fighters in in all of the universe because they come from this incredibly challenging environment and they live there for thousands of years, ever, you know, building on the survival of the fittest theory to produce these incredibly powerful and effective soldiers. Well, the other planet that is equal, if not even more difficult to live on, is Dune. And while oh, uh-huh. and while the um uh the, the the royal family and stuff they have all kinds of stuff brought in so they can live there you know and different things like that the people running the the spice mines uh they don't encounter the raw challenges of living on Dune itself right right they have spaceships they have vehicles they have like protective environments they've got pest control they go yeah so dune is a desert planet completely right it's just all desert everywhere except for you know rocky spots here and there and at one point uh paul and his mother are out to i you know go visit one of the spice mines and their ship uh, is brought down and in it they've got like maybe four liters of water they brought with them for the day and when the natives of Dune see this, they ask him, what was all this wealth intended for? Right? Because for them, it's just ridiculous that you'd have that much extra water. Like, that is an obscene amount of wealth for them. And so and so for the people who, who aren't really living on Dune in the harsh environment, but just these very curated homes and cities that are protected, they don't really live on Dune, right? They have brought their home world with them. And they, you know, right, right. They don't survive off the land. They survive off the intergalactic empire. Yeah, yeah. They survive uh, off of all the trade and the import. They're still spacemen in an environment where they almost need their own spacesuits, not a suit that you would wear on the planet referred to as a still suit. Yeah. So, so yeah. So you have the the this idea of the survival of the fittest producing these you know, kind of super soldiers, not through, you know, heavy genetic engineering like some of the other things, but just through environmental engineering of, of the people. Well, there is only one planet harder to live on than Sarkov, and that is Dune. And there are people who are not connected to the royal family or the empire who live there, and these are the Fremen. And this yes. idea of, you know, how these environments shape these people will then come uh into into conflict uh within the story of dune as these this idea of the survival of the fittest is then pitted against itself okay all right so that's as as simple as easy as we can get it in two episodes dune and kind of what to expect minus the massive spoilers from eli because he wants to ruin everyone's hope and happiness What are we going to be talking about next for Dune? We're going to be diving in a little bit deeper and talking about specific things, right? Okay. So, so we do want to talk about uh, the guilds. So, okay. uh, so the, you know, the three major powerhouses of Dune coming together to form one union, which then allows them to kind of control everything effectively, right? You've got you've got mankind 
that has spread the entire universe. How do you rule that, right, effectively? So we talk about the union of three three organizations that make that possible. And then, of course, we will talk in detail about melange, which is the name of the spice that they consume. Spice melange. And then, uh, uh, of course, Eli wants to do a, a deep dive into the Butlerian Jihad and really explore that. So mm-hmm. my guess... Um, so there may even be points uh, of contradiction with Dune, and I just want to address that real quick. So Frank Herbert wrote the Dune series, and out of the Dune series, we get the Dune Encyclopedia, which is uh, you know the, the kind of detailed and a little bit more backstory on everything. And then Frank Herbert's son, Brian, went on to write what's called the Expanded Dune Universe, which is prequels and stuff that comes after. And some of the stuff that he chose to include in those books contradicts the Dune Encyclopedia. So occasionally there are slightly differing perspective on these events. But as we've talked about in D&D, sometimes this is a good thing because our own history plays out that way, right? There is disagreement mm-hmm. on certain events in history depending on which perspective you take. Well, even even when we were talking about The Witcher, we specifically talked about how there's no one true map. And everything's <laughs> no, yeah. That, that's so good. the one. There's no one true map of the Witcher is crazy. Although I do think that uh, uh, most people will take the version they created for the TV show and kind of make that the official version because it'll very. I think it'll be quickly become the 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 most widely known. Yes, but that is fair. But uh, yeah, while you still can definitely Google those Witcher maps and see the differences that that have come out of because, like I said. The author never made a map, and so everything everybody created was just based on conversations in the books. Right. And uh, our friends at City of Town, I think they kind of thrive on this kind of repcon that happens, right? Like, like there is no definitive this or that. There's just a vague world, and, and that's how they play. You can check them out if you haven't, and... Thanks for joining us in Dune. Yeah. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. We have mentioned in the past that if you go to the Patreon page, we have collections of all the different worlds and pieces of lore we have covered. For example, if you want everything we have ever done about Baldur's Gate, from the invention of D&D to Baldur's Gate 1, Baldur's Gate 2, Dark Alliance, all of that, you can find individual collections for all of those or just one big collection containing all of Baldur's Gate or all of D&D. So everything we have covered, everything we have covered, Eberron, Marvel, DC, Alien Zooniverse, Cyberpunk, Dune, and more. We have collections for each of those worlds. And I do want to mention that on the Patreon, the only thing behind the subscription is the Treasure Room content. Anything that has been released in the podcast for free is still free there. It is just a better organization of the information that the podcast app doesn't let us do. They are just a big list and you just got to type in your search words. On the Patreon, there are tags for everything. You got Fantasy, D&D, Creature Features, Baldur's Gate 1, Baldur's Gate 2, Dark Alliance, all of that. Just an individual tag for those episodes. And as I said, we do have collections just to make this as easy as possible to find what you're looking for. We have learned in the past that a lot of people who listen to the floor, they're interested in one or two of the worlds. And they may check out one or two of the episodes when we switch worlds. But they're really just mostly interested in that. So we just want to like consolidate everything you're looking for to make it just as easy as possible to access. So... Check that out just to make your life easier. And 
Uh, we are working at making sure you can download any of the free episodes there. So even if you're going to lose Wi-Fi or connection, you can get the episodes you want before that happens or just not burn your data while you're traveling to and from work or whatever else is you do while you listen. And uh, thank you. I hope you continue to enjoy the show.